Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. The year of St. Joseph has ended, and on this episode, Bishop Rhodes breaks down what we did as a diocese to celebrate and what we can learn from St. Joseph moving forward. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop, and today we are celebrating, I guess, the end of our liturgical year, the year of St. Joseph. And I was kind of wondering, we've had these different years, the year of the Eucharist, the year of mercy, year of St. Paul. Do you have a favorite of one of these theme years that you've... My favorite was the year of the Eucharist. Okay. I was ordained a bishop during that year. Oh, okay. So that was probably my favorite. Yeah. But we've had the other ones. I, I love that year of uh, St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all of them. Do you feel like this year of St. Joseph, did we really get a lot out of it? I, I, I guess just personally, I feel like the year of mercy, which was mostly in 2016, uh, it was like a jubilee year, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was a bigger deal, it seemed like to me. We were talking about mercy more. We were doing things. We were having events. We were brainstorming how can we be more merciful? How can we make confession more available to people? How can we go out and do the works of mercy? And it seemed like there was a lot more meat to it than the year of St. Joseph. I agree. And the Vatican was much more involved. The Pope yeah. was much more involved. There were a lot of events. There were a lot of resources. We've had some in the year of St. Joseph, but it really didn't have the prominence of the year of mercy, mm-hmm. even from the uh, the universal church level. But I still think it was a good year. Um, I think there was uh, increased devotion to St. Joseph, probably uh, more reflection on his life, his mm-hmm. virtues. For me personally, that um, apostolic exhortation, I think it was, of Pope Francis at the beginning, Patris Corde, I thought right. was uh, was very rich for reflection. I especially liked the part, well, he talked about the love and tenderness of St. Joseph. He talked about the creative courage of St. Joseph. So there were aspects of Joseph's life that Pope Francis brought to the fore that I found personally to be spiritually beneficial. And maybe that'd be a good thing for us to reflect on at the end of this year of St. Joseph, and maybe we can find a link to that document and put it in the show notes so people could go back and and read that maybe for the first time or reread it if it's been a while. Uh, What are some things that we did as a diocese or some of the parishes that you're aware of to celebrate this year? Well, um, just interestingly... uh, the year ends on December 8th, right. the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm having Mass this evening at St. Joseph Parish in Mishawaka okay. as a way to end the the uh, year of St. Joseph. And I'm trying to remember, maybe you remember, where did I? I don't remember. I must have began it at the cathedral. Okay. I remember in, in Fort Wayne, but I do remember doing the uh, all-school because it was still during the pandemic and mm. doing a uh, prayer service or mass that was broadcast to all of our schools. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there were various activities. Uh, a lot of them were parish-based. I know a lot of the faithful did the, the consecration to St. Joseph and the during the year and mm-hmm. did the 33 days of preparation, Father Calloway's book. 
and I think it was extra special in uh, parishes that are have St. Joseph as their patron. Uh, I know St. Joseph Parish in South Bend, for example, had a lot of things going on, especially mm-hmm. for fathers giving testimony, et cetera. So, and then that father-son retreat that I spoke at both, one in English, one in Spanish, where fathers and sons came together and it was, the theme was St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. So there have been, a, uh, I think, a good number of of activities here in our diocese, but a lot always depends on local parishes. Too. Yeah, and maybe some of the di- the difference between the year of mercy and the year of Saint Joseph, besides it being a jubilee year of mercy, which probably makes it a little bit bigger of a deal. But also, I feel like there's so little that we know about Saint Joseph compared to the mercy of God. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, with Saint Faustina's divine mercy and all these parables and stories throughout the Bible and examples of Jesus showing mercy to people. I feel like there was a lot for, for example, Pope Francis to reflect on as, you know, Wednesday audiences and Angelus addresses. There's so little that we know about Saint Joseph for sure. I mean, very little in the Bible. We don't have any quotes from him or anything like that. Do you think that's almost like a, the mystery of Saint Joseph that makes it a little bit harder to talk about him and to really dive deep into his ministry. Yeah, I agree. And it, it takes some imagination too. Sure. We can kind of imagine Joseph's life because there isn't a lot in in the gospels. But what we do have is very rich for meditation, his faith, his obedience, mm-hmm. his chastity, all these different virtues that are especially vital for husbands and fathers, but also for the whole Christian people. But I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot more you can talk about during the year of mercy, Uh because mercy is the very center of our faith, our our merciful God and Father, and the mercy of Jesus. Um, And we're all recipients of that mercy. So obviously, a year that's focused on God is going to be sure. have a lot more than one that's focusing on a saint, even as great a saint as, as St. Joseph. And it's kind of incredible when you think of all the devotion through the centuries to St. Joseph, despite the fact that we don't have, for example, any spoken words of mm-hmm. Joseph in the scriptures. But yet... The silence of St. Joseph is itself a lesson for everyone, Hmm. the importance of silence in our life, the importance of prayer. So we have glimpses, really, in Scripture of the greatness of St. Joseph. You mentioned today is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is when we celebrate that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was conceived herself immaculately and, and preserved from sin. Why, it's kind of interesting that this is the day that we are celebrating the end of the year of St. Joseph on a Marian feast day, but made me kind of reflect on why does Mary need to be immaculately conceived and Joseph doesn't seem to have needed to be immaculately conceived? Well, Mary didn't need to be immaculately conceived. Okay. God could have become incarnate in any number of ways. Uh God could have been become man as a fully grown man, or he could have been born of a sinner um, and yet remain sinless. The church teaches Mary's immaculate conception, though not necessary, was fitting. It Uh, was fitting. So see the difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So anyhow, I just wanted to mention that. Um, And why was it fitting? I mean, God chose to protect her from sin so that she'd have the majesty and dignity befitting 
a woman who would give birth to his son. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, there would be no need for Joseph to be immaculately conceived. I mean, he was the earthly father of Jesus. He mm-hmm. was not the biological father. I guess one could say, well, maybe it would have been fitting mm-hmm. for Joseph to also have been immaculately conceived. The thing is, we have no knowledge or revelation of that. Right. So it is not a teaching of the church that Joseph was immaculately conceived. Hmm. Well, and I suppose his role is probably especially, uh, I hadn't, hadn't really thought of this, but him being a patron of those that are foster parents or adoptive parents, or even uh, kind of spiritual parents to yeah. people, even if it's not an official you know, adoption or, or foster situation, if, if there's somebody that you're mentoring, you know, either their life skills or their spiritual life or whatever, that's St. Joseph is a great example and intercessor, I'm sure. Yes, yes. I love celebrating this Feast of the Immaculate Conception. You know, it is the patronal feast of our country and also of our diocese. So I know we've talked about the Immaculate Conception of Mary on on this show before. Uh It's interesting that we end the year of St. Joseph on this solemnity of Mary. But yet I was thinking about this, how appropriate that is. Mm -hmm. Because in a sense, Joseph, I mean, his service was to Mary Hmm. and even more to her son. But in a sense, his life was devoted to the Holy Family, to his spouse, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and to her divine son, Jesus. So the year of St. Joseph is ending on the feast of the woman whom he loved and served so beautifully. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about maybe it's a little bit of a transition into men's ministry and fatherhood and kind of some things that are happening in the diocese. Uh, Before we do though, if anybody has questions for Bishop, you can text the Holy Cross College text line 260-436-9598. And we'll talk more about maybe the practical aspects of what we can learn from St. Joseph coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has a special mission to serve the Catholic Church in America. In 2020 alone, we've served over 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. We are a member-owned, not-for-profit cooperative, working hard to create a national Catholic financial alternative to the for-profit banks. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop, and we were talking about this being the end of the year of St. Joseph. That doesn't mean the end of the time to think about St. Joseph or ask for his prayers or look at him as an example, but the end of a, a year where we really are focusing on that as a church. But it made me think about you know men's ministries and how it seems like there's been a bit of a revival in the past several years of men's ministries not just nationally, but also specifically in our diocese, Rekindle the Fire, uh, Armor of God, Exodus 90, and there's a bunch of things happening in parishes. Does it seem like 
there's a, a bigger need for that or a bigger response to that or some more successful attempts at doing men, men's ministry? Yeah, I think it's really very timely. I think it's especially living in the culture in which we live where the identity and vocation of men has kind of become confused hmm. uh, for various reasons. And I think it's um, it's been really good and healthy for men to reflect on their identity, on their mission in the church, especially as husbands and fathers, and the importance of their of their vocation in the life of the church. I see there's been a kind of a hunger for that, and I think just the attendance that we get at men's conference, Rekindle the Fire, mm -hmm. and different men's groups and parishes show that this is a great need. But it's, it's led to the revival of faith of mm -hmm. many men, especially of all ages. I've been really impressed to see so many young adult men at these various events, mm -hmm. and I think that bodes well for the future. What is it about having things that are specifically for men or specifically for women rather than these conferences that would be open to anybody? Yeah, I think both are helpful. Um, you know, I, there are conferences, for example, for married couples, mm -hmm. and that's very good when husbands and wives are together. But there's also something valuable about just having men together or just having women together to especially focus on the issues that are connected to their sex. I see all this also in our high schools. You know, uh, we started at Bishop Dwenger High School, and now we have it at other high schools where our, one of the senior electives for theology is the course on the vocation and dignity of women. Mm -hmm. Well, after a few years, the boys asked <laughs> to have a class on the vocation and dignity of men. So now we have that as mm -hmm. well. These classes are separated. Only girls can be in the women's class and only boys in the in the men's class. Mm -hmm. But but that's kind of came up from the grassroots. Uh, right. So there is a certain comfort perhaps when young men can get and talk about their issues maybe just with other young men. It's an interesting phenomenon. So I think both are important that we have co-ed things and we have single sex things like these conferences. And how important is it that we have a community of same sex. So like for, for men to be in community with other men, like to have some time for, you know, whether it be prayer or even just socializing. I don't know. Sometimes I can find that hard with family life and we're so busy with the family to leave the family to spend time with other people without my family. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting. Uh, you could probably reflect on this better than I can about, just getting together with other guys. But I'll, I'll just give a little personal example. You know, I go to some of the Notre Dame games uh -huh. and I have friends and relatives who will come out. And oftentimes it's couples, married couples who come out, uh, sometimes with their children. And so I have various groups, but then there's always like one weekend where it's just guys. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's it, but it takes on a different dynamic in a sense that, you know, guys, together for the football game and all that and the social activities and the spiritual activities that we have around it. Cause I always have mass each day and we get into good spiritual conversations. I just find that uh, healthy. Mm -hmm. Now you don't want to do it 
too much because the husband's wife needs to be together right. in the family. But but every now and then, I think it's really good, especially if you have a group of guys who share the faith, right? And and they can get together and maybe talk about some of the challenges or struggles they might be facing, and also the good things, and to be able to to just be with brother men. Think of the Knights of Columbus. Now mm-hmm. that's a, a fraternal organization of men. There they work together in doing charity, et cetera. Right. That's also, I think, a very healthy thing. Yeah. And I do think there's something to both of those. One, maybe more focused on the spiritual, like these conferences and things. Uh, Knights of Columbus maybe focus more on the acts of service, you know, but maybe we probably need both. Oh, yeah. I think it's helpful. Yeah. Anything that you wish we had in the diocese for men or you wish men would step up and and participate in more or support more? Well, I really see it growing, so I can say I'm I'm very happy. I would like to see men really stepping up also to help with the uh, Eucharistic revival. Okay. I think the example of men, men's devotion to the Eucharist is really powerful, especially for if they're fathers, it's powerful for their children. Mm-hmm. I love when I see men, including young adult men, going to daily mass mm-hmm. or to Eucharistic adoration. We see a lot of women at Eucharistic adoration. I see some men, mm-hmm. I'd like to see more men. I would say I'm very uh, pleased with these men's ministries and the growth of men's engagement with the life of the church in our diocese. So besides a personal devotion to the Eucharist through you know, daily mass, adoration, and you know, talking about it with our families, what other ways do you see men getting engaged in the revival, the Eucharistic revival, which we've talked about in past episodes, is something that is, is launching this coming summer? Yes, Corpus Christi. Well, first of all, I would like to see a huge turnout of men and those who are husbands and fathers Mm -hmm. bringing their wives and children to the Corpus Christi procession. Sure. It's going to be on Father's Day. Uh So if you're asking for a Father's Day gift, (laughs) say, ask your wife and your kids, oh, would you come with me to the Corpus Christi procession? That's great. Yeah. Otherwise, though, I think just being active in the parish activities, I would like to see 40 hours. We're working on where we have 40 hours in all the parishes, et cetera. Explain that. 40 hours devotion um, where you have the Holy Eucharist exposed on the altar Mm -hmm. basically for 40 hours, like the 40 hours Jesus' body laid in the tomb. That's the original meaning of it. Mm -hmm. This really helps in a parish spiritual revival to have 40 hours devotion. We'll be giving a lot more information. We haven't planned all that out yet. It was in my former diocese, every parish every year had 40 hours devotion. Okay. Usually there would be Sunday, Monday into Tuesday, and each evening it'd be like a little mini parish mission, but it would be with the Eucharist exposed on the altar and uh, benediction at the end. The, the closing ceremony on Tuesday evening would always be a big deal. Hmm. Priests would also come from around the area to, to that parish's closing of 40 hours. But even men's prayer groups, Bible studies, some of these, I think, it's couples, which I think is very good. You know, I don't think everything should be just with the men. I like 
Sure. But sometimes, sure. you know, if they have young children, one has to stay at home. So there could be opportunities for both. I know Bible study groups, you know, sometimes married couples go together. It could be really enriching to the marriage. So I do think there's things that they shouldn't just do separately, right. but also together. Well, and I don't know maybe the similarities and differences between laymen and priests, but is there opportunities for our priests to have fraternity, or, or do you think that's something that they might be lacking as well? Often depends on the priest. Uh, many of our priests have good good fraternity with their brother priests where they get together even on regularly, maybe on a monthly basis for a day together mm-hmm. with prayer, some recreation, golf, whatever it might be, sure. at dinner together. So we have various groups of priests who do that or those who do it maybe less formally, mm-hmm. maybe not as structured, but they do it kind of informally where they'll say, let's get together next week and all go out to dinner or whatever or visit at a particular rectory and have dinner there. That's really important. Priestly fraternity is really important. There's different personalities, though. So therefore, there's there might be some priests who maybe not as socially comfortable or, uh, you know, so you do have to deal with that. But I think some level of fraternity is important for all of our priests. All right. And for their bishop, too. Yeah. But I'm... Are you able to make time for that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had more time for yeah. priest fraternity, but there are times where I can get to, I get together with priests. They invite me. I get invited to a lot, and then I already have something on my schedule, sure. and I feel bad. I say, well, you know, if I don't get it on my schedule like months in advance, it's hard. Yeah. There are so many great ministries happening in this diocese. If you're not aware of it, you know, check with your local parish or maybe a nearby parish, and uh, you know, retreats and and. Just great opportunities for us men to grow and look at the example of St. Joseph as well. So I think this has been a, a good year for me as a as a father, and hopefully others have, have gained from it as well. Yep. And by the way, I hope everyone has a very blessed feast day today. Yeah. Of, and uh, you too, Kyle, of the Immaculate Conception. Thank you. And then just in, in a few days later, four days, we'll have Our Lady of Guadalupe. So... This is a beautiful time of Advent, right kind of in the middle. And we have these two wonderful feasts of Our Lady of Advent, the Blessed good, Virgin yeah. Mary. So, Yeah, lots of, lots of big feasts during Advent. Yep, yep. All right, well, thank you so much, Bishop, for another great episode. Could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Excellent. Check out the show notes for a link to Pope Francis's apostolic letter about St. Joseph called With a Father's Heart. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.